Well, hello, and thank you for joining us for another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. Today's audio comes from our Mission Live broadcast, which you can watch on YouTube or on Facebook live every Monday from 9 to 10. Um, Or you can just continue to listen and check out the audio that we've stripped off just for you here on the Mission Podcast. All right, so we invite you to listen. Well, here we are. You have made it to Mission Live. Thank you for watching. This is the inaugural broadcast, the inaugural show. We are total amateurs at this, trying to figure out, you know, what does it take to do a live show? We are here high atop the Gospel Rescue Mission building, the big blue buildings on the corner of G and Foundry Street, uh, 540 Southwest Foundry in Grants Pass, Oregon. My name is Brian Boteller. I am the Director of Resident Services uh, and probably one of the longest employees, longest serving employees here at the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission. And welcome to our show. Hey, um, let me tell you a little bit about what to expect. And I've got show notes and all kinds of stuff because I'm a total amateur at this stuff. Um, First of all, let me just show you around the studio a bit um, because this is just a room that was once upon a time supposed to be a library, I think, or a study hall uh, for the Gospel Rescue Mission, and now we've just converted it into a studio. Um, And I'll show you around by showing you my team, Eric and Greg, who are really the guys that do the real magic. Wait a minute, Eric and Greg, go back to Eric and Greg. (laughs) So so, Eric, wave your hand. Greg, wave your hand. Okay, now we know which ones are which, right? Okay, and and, uh, these are my production team and uh, really the guys that keep me accountable on this whole thing. Um, Kind of keep me on pace and and make sure that, you know, I I don't have, um, you know, my false teeth aren't falling out or any of that kind of stuff. Um, anyways, uh, so here's here's what we're going to do. This show is going to be uh, about an hour long. We're going to try and commit it to an hour. And we're going to talk about things. Uh, I, I promise to talk to you about what's going on in the news regarding uh, homelessness and uh, as it pops up, particularly in the local Grants Pass area. But I'm going to tell you, I talk, I've talked to... Um, gospel rescue missions all up and down I-5, and our problems are their problems. So when I talk to, when we talk about like what what's going on here in Grants Pass, we feel like we were all alone. We felt like we were the only ones having to deal with this, and we found out, boy, they're all going. You too? What you got? You struggle with this? So, and maybe eventually, what we'll be doing is bringing in news from you know other areas up and down I five, whether it's all the way down in Los Angeles or San Diego, all the way up north to Seattle and and uh, Tacoma and all those areas, uh, Portland, Eugene, uh, Salem, everywhere in between. And it doesn't have to just be West Coast, man. We can talk about homelessness booming in New York and and all the other big cities. It seems like the coasts are just off the chain uh, with the, I guess it's the climate, right? So um, anyways, we'll be talking about homelessness in the news. We're going to be talking about, um, we'll be giving interviews to, live interviews to some of our residents, uh, people who just came either 
you know, just came to the mission. Uh, maybe they've been staying at the mission for a while, or maybe they're successfully leaving the mission. We'll be talking to them. Find out about their stay. Find out, uh, ask them the questions that I think you're interested in. Um, you know, how hard is it? Tell me about the torture chambers at the Gospel Rescue Mission. What was the little, what was the little, uh, the obstacle course that it took you to get into this? Because, of course, we're not low barrier. Um, so how, how many barriers did you, and hurdles did you have to get over the, to, to get in the door, all that kind of stuff. We'll talk to them and ask them real questions about it. We'll spotlight other local ministries also. You know, there's a lot of Christian ministries in your local area and mine that are uh, really doing great work. And we don't do this this stuff together. We realize that all of us are doing neat, neat ministries here. The church is amazing, and every community needs the Christian church in it um, because of the work that it does, and it just does phenomenal work. And, uh, of course, I'll be doing a book review, um, and I don't know, you know, just whatever else comes up along the way. We're here to have fun and talk about the things that are interesting to us and hopefully interesting to you. Um, so today, we're going to be talking about kind of doing some talk of the town. Today, we will be um, a little bit later, we'll be doing a resident testimony. Um, we'll be doing a book review, and uh, and then we'll just kind of wrap it up. It won't take too terribly long. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate that. So with all that said, um, let's talk about the talk of the town. So um, the talk of the town today is really, um, it has to do with a news article in uh, one of our local news stations. In fact, we'll be putting the links to this in the bottom of the, um, you know, the video on the show notes and everything. Uh, It came on the 28th uh, from KTVL, one of our local stations. And, and Here's what it just does. When you highlight, wait a minute, are we talking about that first? Are we talking about Talk of the Town? Are we talking about Foundry Village first? Do you remember? We're talking about Foundry Village first. Never mind, I'm jumping the gun. Hey, I'm an amateur at this, okay? This is not paid professionals. We are all amateurs at this. Foundry Village, you know, so let's talk about that. They opened up. Well, in fact, these kind of, these kind of feed into each other. So when we talked about Foundry Village when we began, uh, oh, the Foundry Village has been in the planning here in Grants Pass for, I don't know, a couple of years now. And um, when they first started, I don't even think they quite knew what they were going to be. And so you'd see these pictures of these um, sheds being paraded around town saying, yay, Foundry Village, we're raising funds for Foundry Village. And everybody was kind of like, why in the world are we going to give these people sheds, homeless people sheds? That sounds terrible. Um, Well, let me tell you, we, meaning my entire staff, got invited by Lisa Michaelis to go over and do an interview or or do a a tour of their um, facility. And it is fantastic. It is nothing like we originally talked, they originally talked about. It is beautiful. They have a great facility. I think it's 17 beds um, and great staff. Uh, Lisa's just top notch. And, um, you know, hats off to you guys. It's a really nice facility. My staff got to ask them all kinds of great questions, and um, 
and just see how it how it is. It's just down the street from us, maybe about a block away, um, and it's just another option for folks who are trying to leave homelessness behind um, for something different. And so, hey, hats off to everybody who built Foundry Village. Good job for everybody who's a part of that. Um, it's a it's another great opportunity for us to uh, all together kind of solve this problem. Uh, as we're seeing homelessness increase in our communities, um, as we're seeing uh, more and more people camping on the streets, uh, you know, camping in our city parks, and we're running into all kinds of you know community conflicts over that. Um, Foundry Village is another place that's just doing a great job opening up uh, some opportunities there. Um, so, anyways, they're in, they're they're doing well, and um, but it's funny because the news just continues to kind of get misrepresented, and 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 what it does when the, when the news tells the story wrong, when when a news organization tells the story wrong, it it really can set the community on fire. And I think that they're not as concerned with the, um, the consequences as much as they are just that it's, it's drawn up some, some ratings and everything. And speaking of that, let's go back to that. The KTVL article uh, about a warming shelter in Grants Pass. You know, I've been, I've been with the Gospel Rescue Mission for 12 years. Every single year, without fail, we get approached in the wintertime when the news media suddenly discovers, hey, in Oregon, you know, it gets cold outside. Hmm, I'll bet nobody paid attention to that and nobody knew that, including the homeless people. Let's find out what they're doing differently. And they're always angry at us because we go, well, we're really not doing anything differently. We're doing the same thing we've always been doing. The thing that the news media seems to be doing now is just pretending we don't exist, and uh, and that's the part that's uh, really really frustrating. So here's the headline from December 28th. Uh, it says, "City of Grants Pass scrambles to roll out first warming center amid winter storm." The city of Grants Pass has never before had a city managed inclement weather shelter, and is now scrambling to erect one in the middle of a severe weather event. Well. Uh, again, uh, they've had decades. In fact, Grants Pass has been around for a long, long time. We've had plenty of time to erect a warming shelter. If it was a good idea, uh, we would have done this. If it was a good idea, you'd think people wouldn't camp in it. Um, but some people choose to just camp in it. So um, anyways, when it says never before has the city managed uh, an inclement weather shelter, I would say, well, nor should we. Um, in fact, the truth is, is that I don't think that it's a good idea that the city gets in the business of, um, of handling and dealing with the homeless uh, in, in their counseling and sheltering and all that kind of stuff, and certainly in buying up city, viable city properties. Um, Grants Pass has had multiple inclement weather shelters for many years, um, and I know this because the mission has often, in fact, for every single one that's ever gone up, the mission has at least for a period of time offered food and supplied the food for the program. Um, and at one point in time, we did the food and all the laundry for one for three years that a local church put on. And the fact is, is that 
these people who've run inclement weather shelters never seem to get a voice at the table when the city's talking about um, putting on a inclement weather shelter. Um, so I think the cities just shouldn't be in the business of housing. Um, a, they're too expensive. Uh, in general, they just don't produce the change that they're trying to do. And uh, they're dangerous to everybody involved. I mean, there's a reason that somebody who's staying in a tent uh, might say, I can't stay in the gospel rescue mission or other shelters. And, and there's a reason is because they have become combative, unsuitable for gathering in, in dormitory style living, those kinds of things. So um, I just think that uh, we really are talking about something that's above the city's pay grade in a sense. Uh, and I, I don't recommend that they get involved. Um, so um, we have we have police officers. We have we have police officers for people who are unruly. I think that that's a safe place for them. And we have a gospel rescue mission um, right downtown. So um, let's see. Next next thing it says it says the city council has been focused on supporting an urban campground with tents that uh, with tents and easy to set up single bed pallet shelters, a project that was re- recently delayed due to community, community backlash over its location. Um, listen to your city, listen to your community uh, city council members. When the community says we don't want it, I think that it's probably a good idea to listen to them if you hope to be reelected, I would think. Um, you represent the people. And then if you really believe that this is a good idea, I don't see anybody arguing for it to be in the district that they serve. So this is the other thing that's really funny to me is that nobody seems to go, well, I believe in this so much and I believe that my constituency wants it so much that we're going to put it in our neighborhood. Um, and that way it'll make it happen. Uh, they always want it to be in somebody else's neighborhood. We're always fighting the NIMBY thing, the not in my backyard. Um, it goes on to say the county currently only has one shelter option for its estimated 1,030 homeless residents, a tiny 17-bed, uh, tiny home village that is currently at capacity. Um, I don't know. I hear a record scratch somewhere. Uh, uh, what? We only have one shelter in Josephine County? I got to tell you, that is just patently false. We have currently... Um, we have 138 beds here at the Gospel Rescue Mission, if you don't count the 15 beds in our transitional programs. Um, so we've got plenty of room, plenty of space. Um, now, there's going to be an argument that goes back that says, well, yeah, but you don't count because you're not government funded and you're religious. And um, my question is, well, we've counted for over 25 years. Um, and our program graduates, you need to understand our program graduates, they produce, they push millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars every year back into the city of Grants Pass. Why? Because they're working. They're working full-time. They're contributing. They're buying their food and paying their bills, and they're living right here in the same town that they worked to get out of the homelessness in, and now they're paying into our system. Okay, They're paying their taxes. They're, they're buying their goods here in the community. They're supporting the community that came from. Uh, rather than costing the taxpayer 
They're a they're something somebody that's giving back to the community. Um, also, um, who granted government agencies or news agencies the authority to suddenly discount the work of gospel rescue missions simply because we're Christians? On what authority? Uh, do you have a right to arbitrarily decide that simply because you're a religious organization that you don't, that and we're not just a religious organization, we're a Christian organization. Who gets to say, why does a judge somewhere get to say, yeah, but you're Christian, so we don't get to count you? Um, who gave that authority and by what measure does that come from? I still say, I reject that. I, I just think, you know what, we have been turning people back into our community in a good way for over 25 years. We'll continue to do that um, here, in the Grant, here in Grants Pass area. Gospel rescue missions all up and down the West Coast and all across the country, there are hundreds and hundreds of them. They are doing good work, and they're giving back to the community. They're, giving, they're putting people who came in broken, and they're putting them back whole. And that's an amazing thing. And when they're whole, they support the community, and they're doing it at no cost to the taxpayer. So that's something that you really need to think through uh, before you discount a gospel rescue mission. Uh, it says, though the city has never set up its own inclement weather center, local nonprofit Rogue Retreat, has set up one in 2020 through a leased location that is no longer available. Um, There's a couple pieces missing on that, and that is also that the funding is no longer available for that, um, that in order to afford that. And the reason is that the funder, uh, which was also coming from a government grant, uh, basically said, yeah, it just wasn't worth it. You know, we spent a lot of money, and um, it really wasn't worth the output. I mean, the fact is, is that even in the local warming shelter that we had, um, and we just set it up, this one came up at a high school, um, went on a Friday night and a Saturday night. They had nine people show up. A um, lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of risk taken for nine people. And uh, it seems to me like what we ought to do is, is tell the nine people, hey, you know what? You must change the way you're living. You must do it. It's not okay. It's not acceptable to continue to live the way you're doing. Now, this sounds like we're trying to force something, you know, we're trying to force our will on somebody. And I go, yeah, but you know what? Somebody's getting their will forced on us. Either the taxpayer is being forced to pay for the bad decisions of somebody else, or we're going to force the person making those bad decisions to stop making those bad decisions. Don't you think that that makes more sense? Um, so again, I, I'm just kind of a little upset about that. And I think that bad news, bad news reporting is just not helpful. Sorry if that sounded a little incoherent um, as we're talking about all of that. I had lots more to say, but I just think that we've probably already said enough. The news media doesn't share the information correctly. And, uh, and a lot of times what they don't tell you is what you really are seeing, what you and I are seeing every day, this increase of people showing up under our bridges. Here's some shots we took from uh, Eugene when we were up at a conference uh, with the Eugene mission. And uh, boy, oh boy, was it uh, just breathtaking to see the huge amount of people uh, that are just camping everywhere. Um, and, you know, don't let your community look like this. It doesn't have to. 
You know, we talked to the, the gospel rescue missions. I've met with other gospel rescue missions all up and down the West Coast, and they're all saying the same thing. They're saying our resident population is down in our programs, but the homeless population in our community is increasing in our streets. And let me tell you something. The fact that it's happening everywhere and that is that we're not just that we're not all hearing you know we're not all just experiencing these unique things uh, but that they're not unique. We're all experiencing them together. Tells me that there's some coordination going on, and you need to know that this needs to stop. Um, Okay, enough of that. You know, we had a great, we, we have great results here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. We have some great opportunities to share uh, along, this, uh, along this Mission Live thing with some of the conversations that we have with folks who are leaving the Gospel Rescue Mission and getting ready to go on to better things. Uh, here's a conversation with one of our mission residents right here. This is Donna. Talk to you. We'll see you on the other side of this. So, first of all, um, I don't know if we've done a video with you no. yet. So, no. tell everybody your name and how long you've been here. My name is Donna Castor, and I have lived here, well, the 23rd of this month, it would have been 18 months. 18 months. Okay, yeah. so so Donna, you... Uh, you're, I mean, we're doing this today because you're getting ready to leave. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yes, it sounded a little exciting there. Yes. So, so, um, before we tell the end of the story, kind of let us fill us in on the beginning of the story. I mean, what, what was it that, how was it that you found yourself in a spot where you needed a gospel rescue mission? I was taking care of a gentleman out in Merlin. He passed away. And his family told me I could stay in the house forever. Okay. And they came up in June and gave me 24 hours to get out. Wow. And I had no place to go. So uh. um, I had to wait for the the uh, intake process. And it was, I had to leave on, I left on Monday and Tuesday was my intake from here at the Gospel Mission. Wow. And so I spent the night in a motel. Goodness. And I was devastated. I had lost everything, everything I had. I, I couldn't take it with me because I didn't have any place to put it. I didn't have a storage unit. Oh. And it was during COVID. I mean, right in the middle right. of COVID. Right, And so I, a friend of mine told me, she said, I made an appointment for you to go to the Gospel Mission to talk to them. And I came here, and that's how I got here. Wow. So what we what we're not hearing and this is the this is the fun side, you know, for me is because I get asked a lot about like um uh well aren't aren't the people that you deal with all mentally ill people and drug addicts and stuff no. and I say no, not by a long shot, no, you know. I'm not I'm not a drug addict, I'm not an alcoholic. I just was homeless. Yeah. And that does happen to ordinary people. <laughs> right, right. Well, in fact, you know, I mean, among the ordinary people, one of the one of the kinds of ordinary people that that we actually see it's it's not infrequent is to see people who were in the business of being a caregiver mm -hmm. who um well then the person they're caring for passes away. Mm -hmm. 
And they had no further plan past that point. No, I did not. That, that they had any real control over. You yeah. know, I mean, it wasn't that they didn't have good ideas and, and, and everything, but they had nothing in writing, nothing to secure them. And, and that's exactly where you're at, you yeah, know, in, was, in, in that That's situation. where I was. Yeah. So, um, so tell me, you know, I mean, you, you're thinking about coming to the Gospel Rescue Mission. Somebody's telling you you should, you should go there and check into the Gospel Rescue Mission. What was going through your mind at that point? I was scared. Yeah? Very scared. What did you think was going to happen? What was, well, was, what was frightening about coming into a mission? Like everybody else, like when you said, you know, drug addicts and whatnot, that's what I thought this place sure. was. I thought there was a, a place where just drug addicts and alcoholics go. And we have a few of those. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, sure. you, have all, you have them in all walks of life. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's, I was terrified. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I, didn't, I didn't think I'd do well on the streets. <laughs> I don't think I'd do well on the streets. And either. so I decided, well, I'll, I'll try it. Yeah. So, um, so what did you find when you came? I mean, it, it, tell me, did it surprise you when you checked in? Was there anything that surprised you about what it was like here? Did you, you know, what did you think about what you found when you checked in? Um, it was a, a, it's a working mission. And uh, I had never did that kind of work, you know. I, I do, you know, in your house, you do that all the time. And uh, but it was also scary. Yeah. Because I didn't know what I, I didn't know what I was going to get myself. I didn't know what I had gotten myself into. Sure, sure. So, um, well, what you got yourself into was a group of people that loved you and yes. care for you. Yes. And uh, you made a lot of good friends while you've been yes. here, right? Yeah, and my best friend is God. That's so cool. Was was your best friend God before you moved into this place? Sorta. Yeah. But not as strong as yeah. it is now. Okay. My walk with Christ has gotten really stronger since I've been here. That's good. I was baptized in January of this year at River Valley. I remember seeing the video for that. That is so cool. That was great. I love it. Oh man, and that that's is so in my good. church. Aren't they a great church family? Oh, they're wonderful. They're and I'm going to a life group right now on codependency. Is that right? Uh -huh. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's so good. Well, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that we try and do with residents is get them really plugged into a church. Even if they don't become Christians, you know, at least at a church, you've got a circle of friends or a group of people that you're going to meet that typically aren't trying to do be worse than they were the day before you know they're, they're actually trying to do something better with their lives and be better people and and they're trying to be more honest and be more open about themselves and and take on life in a more realistic way even if you don't believe in Jesus and and the Bible and all that stuff you know you'd probably want people in your circle of friends like that right Oh, now, yes. Yeah. I didn't before. I didn't. I wasn't plugged into my A church. Right. Um, how I got to River Valley was uh, I was a resident manager in a foster home mm -hmm. before I took care of the man in Merlin. And one of the gentlemen that I took care of was, um, he was some kind of a director. He had a lot to do with the church. Uh -huh. And when he wanted me, he would whistle. Oh, and his wife got really upset. She said, no, you need to call them. You know? <laughs> and so the first day I stepped foot into the church, 
I heard somebody whistling, and I knew. I just knew it's Flick. <laughs> I, have, I just, I just, he's, because he was the one that helped me get back to Christ. Okay. We would on Saturday nights. We would rush through dinner, and then we would go in and we watch TV in his room, and we watch all the Christian. We watch Huckleberry and and um, you know all those good shows. You know? Sure, sure. And I I really learned a lot of, from from him about Christ and what Christ can do. Wow. I remember my dad was a minister, but that was when I was a kid. You know, and you you just don't think about things like that when you're a kid. Yeah. I know, I know. It's, uh, well, you know, but here's the thing that's interesting is how God draws even a child that was born into and raised in, in uh, a family of the covenant community, mm-hmm. you know, and he reels you back in, you know, to the family. Yes, you know, he does. Wait, my road was kind of like a leaf on a tree, you know, how they go this way and this way and this way and then, and the branch goes straight, but there's these little leaves that go off to the side. Sure. And the leaves are dead ends. Right. And you have to turn around and come back and get back on the main road, and then you go a little further, and you make another leaf. <laughs> turn around and come back. That was me. Oh, boy. Well, so you have um, recently, you've got your own apartment now? Yes. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's a pretty significant Find, you know, in, in 18 months, how long did you say? 18 months, 18 yeah. months to be able to go from homeless to getting your own apartment. That's a fantastic thing. Um, I also have a job. And a job? Mm-hmm. Where are you working? I work for the Grants Pass School District. That is fantastic. Yes, it is. That's I a, love it. another good group of people. You oh, know, yeah, I love it. Oh, I love it. That's so good. <laughs> I'm a lunch lady. <laughs> That's and great. I love it. You know, it's funny because even thinking back in my childhood, some of the nicest people in school were the people that you didn't think that the kid, the kids yeah. would remember. But I've had a couple of great bus drivers and a couple of great lunch ladies that were and a librarian that yeah. was, you know were all played big impacts in in my young. Well, company. when I first applied for the job, I said to myself, "I love kids." Yeah. And I love food. It's a job for me. It's there perfect. Go. There you go. That's great. <laughs> exactly. You know, well, then it was a match made in heaven. How fantastic is that? You, yeah. got, your, you got a job. You got your own place. Um, w- any other plans after this? You plan on traveling the world? You no. plan on no. You plan no. on finding Mr. Right? You no. plan on... <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be nice, but I'm not, there's nothing in the, in the foreseeable future that... This is for the mission dating service right yes, here. Yes, right, so, yeah, right, okay. right. Yeah. Um, I plan to... Uh, my grandsons live up in Shady Cove. Oh, right. They lost their home last year in the Alameda fire. Wow. Wow. And uh, so I'm going to be with them for Christmas, Wow. which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, they wanted me to come up there for Thanksgiving, but it was too late in the day. So that you know, so I told them I'd be there. They could come and get me for Christmas. I grew up in Shady Cove. Well, yeah, I know that's yeah. where your mom lives. Yes, that's right. Do you know my mom? Yeah. You know my mom? Yep. That's she came fantastic. in the store. She came in the store, oh, and I have cool. to give um, the credit. Where it goes to, it's the mission put me over there as a volunteer at Booth Street. Yeah, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. Oh, good. I didn't know anything about retail. I did not know anything about nothing yeah. like that. Yeah, I was just medical, 
And to get into that, it was, it was so, and it still is. I plan to volunteer there even after I leave. Oh, God bless you. And uh, I love Connie, and I love Mike. I love all the people I work with over there. They're really, really, you know, super to work with. Yeah. And um, so, but that's how I got my apartment. Yeah? Yeah, this man came in, and he was unloading some stuff, and he asked me if we took household goods. I said, sure we do. And he said, well, we're getting, we had to move a lady out of one of our apartments. And about that time, my little antennas go up. Apartment. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so we exchanged names and phone numbers. And his wife called me that night. And I went over on a Tuesday and looked at the apartment. And Wednesday, I went back and filled out the will agreement. And Wednesday night, I had the apartment. Wow, that's fantastic! And they're Christian people, so I think it was. I know that I know that Christ. Yeah, he has had, a little, he had his little hand in there. Oh, for sure. Oh, I think he's a big hand in yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, in a world that constantly, right now, it seems like our culture is just constantly. At least, at least the the government sector of our culture it seems to really constantly want to harp on. Um, the the housing market and the rental market and everything being the cause of the problem of homelessness. And I go, you know, you got to stop beating these people up there. It's a, it's not just that. I mean, it's granted rent is high and, and things are, mm-hmm. things are tough and everything, but really you find people that really try real hard and, and demonstrate that they want to try real hard and put out some effort. And, and you match those up with, with good landlords who just want good tenants. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, you've got a match made in heaven. And, you know, we have had the pleasure of this week, you're going to be one of three ladies moving out into your own places, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. phenomenal. And, uh, and that's, that's the kind of stuff that happens here at the mission, you know, and, and uh, we just want to share the story with people and let them know, um, you know, that, hey, yeah, it's a little scary thinking about coming into the mission, but um, it's not as scary as living on the street. No, and I just, I, I knew I couldn't do that because I'm just, well, I'm, for one, I have to take a bath every day. I have to wash my hair. <laughs> the user stuff. And I didn't think I could do that on the street very well. Yeah. I suppose I could use the river if I wanted to, but it's I mighty really cold. Wondered. Yeah, mighty yeah. cold. Yeah. And so I didn't want to do that. So yeah. and so I sucked it up and I came to the mission. Oh, that's so good. And I have not regretted a moment I've been here. Yes, there's been times that have been very difficult for me. Yeah. But uh, well, one of the times was I, I had a cat, and, and she died while I was here. Oh. And that was devastating. But I also got this cabbage patch, homemade cabbage patch doll over at Booth, and her name is Delilah, and she's helped me through a lot. But I know I'm an old lady, but I have a doll, and she's, I mean, I can talk to her, and, you know, and, sure. and it makes me feel a lot better. You know, the cat doesn't understand you much better no. than a than a cabbage patch doll. <laughs> Delilah, maybe she understands me better than I do. And, I don't right, know. But right. um, she's been she's been a very joy to me. Fun, fun. Yeah, yeah, and and um, and of course Christ has too. He's, of course, he's settled me down. Uh, he's centered me more. Yeah, and um, I really have to thank the mission for that. I, you know, I thought when I first came here. I have to go to chapel twice a day, 
and Sunday, and I have to go to church. Church! <laughs> and, but it's not, it's, it's something I want to do. In fact, is when we were shut down for COVID, everything was shut down, even the church. And I sat and cried because I couldn't go to church. I wanted to go so bad. Yeah. It was very, it was very heart wrenching for me to not you be able know, to go I to church. I think there's a lot of people that felt the same way, you know, uh, uh, about about going to church. Um, you know, it's a, a common complaint about the mission is that we actually take the whole uh, Christianity portion of what we do, which is everything, um, mm-hmm. we take it very seriously. Very. And and um, and people, you know kind of think that what that means is that somehow we're just jamming Jesus down people's throats. No. And um, I don't know, but I don't think we do that. No. I don't. That's not the response that I get from people who no. actually live here. No, you don't. Um, it's a choice of whether you want to sit there and listen to it yeah. or you can sit there and do something else. Yeah. You know, you don't, it's, we're not holding per se a gun to your head and say hey you have to be a Christian Right. it's just something that I have learned over the time I've been here about six months into the program I knew it was for me I knew I needed Christ back into my life so much (laughs) and I I would I pray every night that you know he could forgive me all the things dirty rotten things I had done and I know now that he did yeah and that he does, he doesn't hold anything against us. Yeah. And that's what makes it so enlightening is that, you know, he forgives everyone that just believed in him. Isn't that great? Isn't that and great? I have to I have to put the, the thanks where it's due and it's all the chaplains and the people that I've worked with at the mission. Yeah. You, your wife, you know, yeah. Ken. Yeah. And Connie, yeah, everybody. Oh, we've got fantastic people here. I and feel like I work with the best people on the whole planet. Yeah, and and that's I've not never just met such p- nice people in my entire life that that truly do think a lot about you and truly do care about what happens to us. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I guess I guess if there was you know something, if I was somebody sitting on the outside thinking about coming into the mission, you know, I, I kind of think that what you just said would be the thing that would help me make that decision, you know. I, it's not an easy thing to do, but I, in fact, it's about the first six weeks I lived here. Yeah. I wore a whistle to bed at night because I was afraid somebody's going to get me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, of all the things that you can be telling yourself about what might happen. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Because I didn't know the other women. Right. Right. And then I got to know the women, and my whistle went in the drawer. That's where it is now. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Come to the mission, wear a whistle. That's it. And it's all right, you know. Um, well. Oh, you can't have any weapons. Can't have any weapons. Well, I'll tell you what. A and whistle, a whistle, whistle was the safest. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a, that was actually really clever, I, I think. <laughs> so, great idea. Well, you know, Donna, I want to thank you for taking the time to just, you know, share what's happened, your story. And, um, and I hope that everybody that is watching this will 
take time to, to pray for you and, and uh, continue pray that God will continue to bless you and, and work in your life. And, um, and maybe for those that are, you know, watching and thinking, you know, who are thinking, well, I wasn't a drug addict. I'm not a drug addict and I'm not an alcoholic, so I don't need to go to the mission. You know, I don't want to be around those people. Maybe after hearing your story, they, they might be inspired to Try and come yeah, in. I'm just a regular person. Yeah, and, you know, I've had my fault. I I am a recovering alcoholic. I quit drinking in 1980. Okay, and I quit smoking in 1986. Wow. So I'm just a regular person, yeah. and you know, if it can do what it's done to me, if it can do, to so the program can do, reach one person with my video. Yeah, or with what I'm saying, that I think is astronomical. That's because great. God has a tendency to touch our hearts, and mm-hmm. sometimes we don't even know He's there. Yeah, isn't that true? You isn't just have true? to give you just have to give Him a chance. That's right. That's uh, right. Yes, I I put on I put my heels right to the floor. I wasn't you know I wasn't going to do this, but I knew if I didn't do that, I'd probably get kicked out. And I kept telling myself, "No, you don't look very good on the street, you know. And it's not very good to be out there on the street. You don't know nothing about that." And so I just stuck it through. And that's not to say that I didn't get in trouble, even while I was at the mission. Yeah. Because um, if you do something you're not supposed to do, you, they, they give you what they call a write-up. Yeah. And yes, I got a few of those, and I learned. Okay, okay. And you have to. Okay. You just have to grow with the place. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, you know, everybody. I love it. <laughs> you know, there's a learning curve to everything. And and even if we get, a, you know, somebody gets a write-up, it's not for the sake of, like, kicking you out or punching, no. punishing you. It's just to try and say, hey, look, this is the way we do stuff here. And, That's and exactly this is the right. way we're going to do it. That's and, exactly right. You know, and. And you did what was perfect, which was learn from it and move on, you know? That's fantastic. Well, again, thank you. And, um, you know, for anybody that's watching this, you know, obviously... Uh, you know, again, pray for Donna and and uh, and pray for the Gospel Rescue Mission that we can continue to do the things that we do. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, share it on on your social media. Um, these are things that that will help promote what we do and and allow other people who are like minded to support us um, and maybe even help develop some more like-minded folks out there across the country. Uh, Certainly, God knows we need it right now. So um, thank you again, and God bless you. And uh, there's another video in the wrap. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Wasn't she cute? Man, I'm telling you, you just, you can smell the apple pie coming from her house and want to go visit with her on her couch somewhere. She's just adorable. Hey, so next is book review time. (laughs) The sound effects. I love it. I love it. You know, um, I get to read great books that really help frame how we should think about homelessness and what we do. And one of the best books that I have read in my entire 12 years of doing that is The Tragedy of American Compassion by Dr. Marvin Alasky. Um, Just in case you're not familiar with Dr. Alasky, he is the professor at the university, he's a professor at the University University of Texas at Austin, and he's also the editor 
of World Magazine. And uh, if you don't subscribe to World Magazine, you probably should. Fantastic program. They've got a great uh, morning news show called The World and Everything in it. Dr. Olasky is is brilliant, and um, and this book really kind of just shows that. Um, here's what Cal Thomas had to say about it. He says, finally, someone has put the horse and the cart in the right order. Marvin Olasky neither shuns compassion nor assistance for the poor, but rather gives the historical definition of each and assigns them their proper priority. Not only can this book benefit the truly needy, it can benefit the country. Not a bad accomplishment for one book. Um, I will tell you that, uh, again, I totally, there's all kinds of great encomia on the back of this from uh, Newt Gingrich and uh, uh, Charles Murray and Charles Colson and um, just uh, Tony Evans, uh, all kinds of all kinds of great stuff. It's an easy book to read, um, and it's going to teach you an awful lot about America's 300 years of work with poor, with, with the people in poverty and what they've done about it, both from a perspective of give everything, you know, just give everything for free uh, and, 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 you know, more of a kind of this, um, I don't know, housing first kind of look and, and then all the way over to uh, more of a, you know, uh, work for what you get and let's get you back into, uh, into the working community providing for yourself in our country. Um, it's well-referenced. It tells the history of, of how we've dealt with this going all the way back to, uh, to 1620. So he is, I mean, super well-referenced. Um, and I just, I got to tell you, there's so much, I didn't realize how much America has done for people struggling in poverty since its founding, um, and and what the communities in across the country have done. This really documents that and kind of tells that story. Um, here's what I've learned from reading the book: uh, the struggles we have today with poverty in America have been with us for nearly 300 years. I mean, the things that we're arguing about, about how we deal with this, how we deal with people that are homeless in our communities and, and filling up our streets, we have been arguing about these things for 300 years. Um, and uh, there are 300 years of documented results-based evidences for the effectiveness of the kind of programs just that, like, just like the ones we're doing here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. So basically, I think what you'll see when you read this, it'll inform like what actually works. What is the stuff that we're? Where are we seeing homelessness and poverty decrease? And um, I really feel like the evidence leans towards the biblical model for how we should deal with uh, poverty and. Of course, there's still some arguments about what is that biblical model, and, and I hope that over time as we talk and we continue with this show, you'll learn more about what we feel is um, the, what the Bible most clearly says about how to deal with poverty in America. And also, I learned, I learned that the practices of giving away free things like food, clothing, tents, money, etc., also have a 300-year history of increasing dependency and poverty. Giving stuff away for free um, has always led 
to increased poverty. And it continues to do so to this day. And it's documented very well in, in Marvin Olasky's book. And then lastly, as long as we continue to let the government maintain its role in social welfare, it will always gravitate towards handing out material goods paid for by those citizens who work hard, like you and me. So again, we have a track record that we can look at. We have a history that we can look at. The tragedy of American compassion uh, really describes that and lays it out for you. If you're interested in this topic, if you are, if you're thinking, man, I really want to know how to frame my thinking about it, don't take my word for it. Read Marvin Olasky's book, The Tragedy of American Compassion. After this video in the show notes, we will put a link uh, that you can click on and it'll take you directly to the book. And I would recommend wholeheartedly, if you are a reader, go ahead and take a look at it and, um, and give it a read. Now, next, we've got what we're going to call our ministry spotlight. We're spotlighting some of the local ministries in our community and what they're doing. Take a look. My name is Darren Williams, and I'm the executive director of Joe's Place Ministries here in Grants Pass. Joe's Place is an outreach to young people ages 12 to 20. Uh, we provide a safe place for them to come and get a meal, have positive adult relationships, and share the gospel of Jesus with them. Through Joe's Place, uh, we have this youth center here where young people come. And they can get uh, two meals a day, lunch and dinner. We have a clothes closet. Um, hygiene products, we have games and crafts, but the primary thing that we uh, focus on is building those relationships because once you hear a story from a young person, then you know how to meet their need. And that's um, whether they you know, have a need at home or with school. We interject Christ through Joe's Place, through relationships, through our staff and volunteers, through uh, sitting over a meal, playing a game. It's that relationship that is key to hearing their story and know how to, to present the gospel to them. It's a beautiful day in Grants Pass, Oregon. And what better thing to do for fun than to go down to the Gospel Rescue Mission's Booth Street Thrift Store. At Booth Street, you'll find all kinds of nifty things for sale that the whole family will enjoy. Whether you're looking to donate your gently used household items, or if you're just browsing for that special find, the friendly folks at Booth Street will make sure you have a swell time while you're here. Even the little ones will love it. You'll leave knowing that your purchase will help the needy in our community. So don't be a wet rag. Beat feet, burn rubber, and come down to the Booth Street Thrift Store for some new threads. Booth Street Thrift Store, located on the corner of Booth and Foundry right here in Grants Pass. And that's the word from the bird. Just so you know, the duds I'm wearing today came from the Booth Street Thrift Store. Hey, that was fantastic. Um, you know, Darren Williams and the guys at Joe's Place do great work. Uh, Bobby Galley and the whole team over there, they're fantastic. Booth Street Thrift Store in downtown Grants Pass actually is right there on the corner of Booth and Foundry Street, as we already said, another way that you can support the Gospel Rescue Mission. I wanted to kind of wrap some things up here. You know, there's an idea um, that I, I think we feel we fight against, that this idea that, um, well, if Jesus was around, 
around that he just give everything to everybody all the time. And um, you, you Christians that don't understand that um, really just don't care about being like Jesus. Um, our church was going through John chapter 5 in the last couple of weeks. And, and when we were going through John chapter 5, I was reminded um, there's the scene where Jesus goes down to the pool of Bethsaida. And there it says that there's a multitude of people that are around the pool waiting to get healed. Now, the idea was that uh, the pool would start bubbling or st- the waters would start stirring, and that the idea was that an angel comes down and stirs the waters, and whoever's the first one in after they stirs the waters uh, gets healed. And so there's this multitude of people who are sick and, and ill and, and uh, you know, have all kinds of different ailments all around this pool waiting. And Jesus walks down and he talks to one man. He selects one man out of the group and he says, hey, you want to get healed? And the guy says, well, nobody carries me into the pool. And he says, well, here, take up your bed and walk. And the guy takes up his bed and walks. Happens to be on the Sabbath day, and he gets into some trouble with the Pharisees uh, who are challenging him, why are you carrying your bed on the Sabbath day, and who's doing this healing, blah, blah, blah. Um, But I think that if you and I today, um, you know, even as a pretty... Uh, I guess I'd say an, you know fairly orthodox Christian uh, in my practices. You know, I, I would I think that our tendency would be to walk down to the pool, see everybody there. If we had the power of Almighty God, you know, coursing through our veins, we'd say, "Everybody, everybody at the pool, you are now healed." But He doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't do what I think you and I might be tending to do, wanting to do. Um, And that tells us something. Jesus thinks about things differently than we do. And instead, what Jesus does is he walks down to one man. And instead of just going down and healing him, he starts a conversation with him. He says, do you want to get healed? The guy has to develop and express his need. He has to express that he has a need. And what he says is, there's no one to do this thing for me, carry me into the pool. And Jesus says, take up your bed and walk. He gives him action steps to do. I want you to know that when gospel rescue missions work on how do we deal with people who are poor, whether it's poor in inclement weather, uh, whether it's people living in, in tents uh, or in small villages, uh, you know, small tent villages or small uh, dormitory villages, or right here at our gospel rescue missions, uh, we say, look, if you want healing, you have to acknowledge your brokenness for one thing, and then stop putting your dependency on everybody else. You have to end up taking up your bed and walking. Get up and go. You will find healing. The Gospel Rescue Mission in Grants Pass is all about helping people find that healing and find that their way out. And it's not for everybody. It's not, not everybody wants to, to leave homelessness behind. What we want to do is we want to find those who do want to leave homelessness behind and are capable of doing so. And when we do that, when that, when that little magic numbers of, of those things all collide together and they come into our doors, well, the truth is, is that 
uh, about two out of five people who walk through our doors walk out with a job and a home, just like Donna did, just like so many others that you're going to get to see as you're watching our mission live. And uh, we're going to continue to share the good news of what's going on. We're going to make Donna's video available um, by itself as well on our YouTube channel. Guys, I just wanted to thank you for sharing your morning with us. I wanted to thank you for riding shotgun with me. Uh, if you're listening while you're driving, if you're watching while you're driving, that's a bad idea. Um, but if you're listening while you're driving, that's okay. Uh, anyways, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to just join us. And uh, if you liked this video, would you subscribe to us? And that way, every time we go live, it pops right up in your video feed, and you can catch it. Even if you didn't catch it live, you can come back and watch it later. Uh, please subscribe, share it with a friend, tell people about it. And of course, if you want to find out more about the Gospel Rescue Mission here in Grants Pass and what we do, just check us out at grantspassmission.org. Thank you again for taking the time to follow us. I want to thank Eric and, and Greg for uh, joining us today and, and uh, making all this stuff happen happened. There is a lot of time and energy that has gone into this, and I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed spending time with you on a Monday morning. You could be doing other things. In fact, I'll bet you somebody's knocking on your door right now saying, hey, why don't you get to work? <laughs> so God bless you, and uh, please continue to pray for us, and have a great week. God bless you. <laughs>